This is Great Disturbances, a Star Wars podcast. Each week, hosts Rich and Paul discuss Star Wars media, no matter what form it takes. And welcome back. I am Paul. And I'm Rich. And today we are talking about Rogue One, a Star Wars story. And I, myself, was was a total newbie to this uh for this for this i this is the, the first time i've seen this movie is the preparation for this podcast so i like i failed my star wars fan <laughs> exam i think by having that be the case now <laughs> I admit, okay yeah fair enough yeah the, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it's 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 almost like there's no application process to just blasting a fucking podcast into the world about <laughs> any subject. You that's, are whether you're an expert or not. That's you right. You do the damn thing anyway. Well, I mean, listen to listen to half the podcasts, including ours, out yeah. there. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you know. Obviously, it's just made for fucking yahoos like us to <laughs> to, to drop stuff out there in the world. Just about anybody can do this. And so, we do. And we do. Yeah. So we watched the film, yeah. and now we are going to talk about it. Yes. And I am so glad for this, because I got to tell you, I fucking loved this. I fucking loved this movie. Nice, dude. I am nice. so I am so glad we did this. And actually, you know what? The Force, the force is with us, because yeah. I'm glad we did this now and not at the beginning. Yeah. For, for for me, at least for me. I don't know about you. You're probably like, fuck you, we should have done it way sooner. But nope. <laughs> I like I like where this this kind of dovetailed really well for us. Yeah. Think, yeah. This 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 is oh, it's so timely for us. But before we do that, I, I you know, I didn't even ask you. Yeah. Did did we did we did you do a patented Rich Davenport uh summary? I did. It's kind of long did. because okay. there's a lot of shit going on in There's this a movie. lot of shit going on. Let's do that now. So our okay. listeners are just kind of Cemented in place. Okay. All right. Jen Erso doesn't really have the luxury of political opinions. As a child, her father Galen was taken by Orson Krennic to complete the Empire's newest weapon, the Death Star. The Empire killed her mother while Jin hid away in a secured location to be rescued later by the rebellion leader Saw Guerrera. Raised by Saw, but now on her own, Jin is imprisoned at the Imperial labor camp on the planet Wabani. She is rescued by Captain Cassian Andor and his droid K2SO, who are both with the rebellion. Turns out that an Imperial pilot, Bodhi Rook, had absconded with a holographic message to Saw from Jin's father, Galen. Knowing that Jin had a connection with Saw made the rebellion try to recruit her to talk to him to see if he could tell them where Galen Erso is. It seems that Saw has become something of an extremist and is not exactly on speaking terms with the rest of the rebellion. They find Saw on Jeddah, where the Empire is mining kyber crystals, yes, the ones that power lightsabers, Yes, to power the Death Star. To power the Death Star. Goddamn right. Fucking cool. There, the Motley crew pick up former Guardians of the Wills, Chirrut Imwe, a blind Force-sensitive, and Baze Malbus, his heavy gun-toting companion. At Saw's base, Jin views the message from Galen where he details his deception. He has hidden a design flaw in the Death Star's plans and reveals the location of those plans. Cassian, Chirrut, and Baze connect with the pilot Bodhi, who then helps them find Galen. While all this is going on, the Death Star appears, now operational, and fires a low-powered test shot at Jetta City, causing the complete obliteration of the temple and the city surrounding it. Jin, Cassian, Chirrut, Baze, Bodhi, and K2SO escape, but Saw perishes, accepting his fate. 
on the battle station, Orson Krennic's success is overshadowed by Grand Moff Tarkin, assuming command of the Death Star using the pretext of the defection and the espionage of Bodhi Rook to wrest control from Krennic. Krennic is then dispatched to Edal, I think that's how you pronounce it, where the Death Star was created to confront Galen Erso. The rebels send Jin and company to ostensibly rescue Erso, but Cassian was ordered to assassinate the Imperial engineer. Jin sneaks off to try and rescue him anyway, but gets caught in the crossfire as rebel X-Wings assault the facility. Galen is mortally wounded, and he reunites with Jin moments before the facility is destroyed. Jin is rescued, though, and the team make their way back to the rebel base on Yavin 4. Where Yavin the rebels, 4. Goddamn right. Where, where the rebels are about to give up rebelling in the face of certain doom. But Jin knows that if they can get the plans to the Death Star, this could be a turning point for the rebellion. Meanwhile, Krennic is summoned to Mustafar by Darth Vader, who wants to know Darth why the Death Vader. Darth Vader, who wants to know why the Death Star was test fired. Krennic wants an audience with the Emperor, but Vader refuses him. Jin and Cassian form a small team, including Chirrut Bays, Rook, and K2SO, along with a bunch of red shirts who want to help, and they take off on a U-wing for Scarif, where the Death Star plans are located, to steal the plans and give the Alliance hope again. When they are discovered by the Rebels, the Alliance follows them with their entire fleet. On Scarif, the team fights its way to the Imperial Data Center, losing Chirrut, Bays, Bodhi, and K2SO along the way, and Cassian and Jin secure the plans, but they don't have a way to get off-planet, so their only chance is to transmit the plans to the, fleet, the Rebel fleet above Scarif. Once they've done this and defeated Orson Krennic, Jin and Cassian sit on the beach waiting to die. Oh, did I forget to mention that Tarkin brought the Death Star to Scarif too to blow up the Imperial Center, uh, to blow the Imperial Data Center off the planet? Well, that's what he did. And our heroes die knowing that they have given the Alliance a fighting chance. In the skies above Scarif, Vader's Star Destroyer arrives just in time to board the Rebel cruiser that is receiving the transmission from the planet below. Rebel soldiers rush to get the plans to the escape vessel, the Tantive Four, as a rampaging Vader decimates their ranks trying to stop them. But escape the Rebels do, and as their ship is jumping to hyperspace, a Rebel soldier puts the plans into the hands of Princess Leia, who says that Jin and company have indeed given them a new hope. Hope. That was really long-winded. That you know that you kind of had to touch on a bunch of that stuff. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an entire film, so it is. You know. <laughs> it's longer than some of my uh, comic book <laughs> write-ups have been, but you know, whatever. <laughs> so this movie, this yeah. this piece of Star Wars, there's so many things to love here. Yeah, I have a hard time even sort of knowing where to begin. I guess in terms of what makes it different and yet the same, but still better than so much of what's out there better than so many of the films saga or otherwise dude i so we've we've talked about this a little bit before i think for me i think last jedi is the pinnacle of the saga films for me and rogue one of the you know two non-saga films i guess (laughs) is the best of those two right right but after after my first viewing of this one i'm not sure where rogue one and last jedi fit hierarchically for me with each other this one might be my favorite wow. i'm not sure wow that's big that's it's big bi- it's big and it's rogue one there there are no jedi unless you count darth vader there are no there's only one sith and he is not central to mm-hmm. anything no he's a he's kind he's of a secondary giving orders 
and yeah. scaring people and whatever, but he's not, he's not, the plot is not driven by Darth Vader. This movie doesn't beat you over the head with Jedi and Sith stuff. It doesn't beat you over the head with the force. It doesn't beat you over the head with destiny, but those things are there for sure. The mm-hmm. force is plenty there and talk oh, about, yeah. yeah. but it, it's not like you, like they accomplish their stuff for the most part without really doing force things. Except right. maybe kind of towards the end there when he, when he kind of marches out among the blasting things, right. you could, I don't know whether to even know whether to count that as a force activity, right? When he yeah. says, I am one with the force and the force is with me. And he walks toward the switch to throw the switch for the master uh, t- transmitter thing to turn on. Right. Right. The end there. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't get blasted. Right. right. Amongst all these people. But like, I don't know whether to count. I don't know whether to count that as a force, but that's okay. I'm not, I'm not saying it's good or bad. Right. I'm, it's fine. What I, the point I'm making is that I'm not beat over the head by anything of those things. Right. And yet it makes me hungry for Jedi stuff. Yeah. And it makes me hungry for force stuff because it just, it just sort of brushes against that. Right. Cause yeah. I mean, the Jedi are kind of in the backdrop of the whole thing. If you think about it, like, cause Jedi, I think I think part of the part of the motif here, or whatever you want to call it, is that Jedha is an origin planet or a very important planet for the Jedi in history in the history of Jedi. Oh yeah, yeah. And Chirrut Chirrut is like a guardian of the wills, which which is make which is a reference to the Journal of the Wills, which mm-hmm. is one of the very early pieces of Star Wars. You know, like the early early versions of the script, right? Were mm-hmm. made reference to Journal of the Wills as a. Yeah is a central piece of knowledge for this, the mythos here. And so Chirrut, this guy, he's, he's force sensitive, connected to the force somehow, but he's not a Jedi, but he's, he's, he sort of still thinks about the force and does forcey things ish. Jin's mother gives her a a Kyber crystal necklace thing. And you think at the beginning, I was like, Oh, so is there, does it turn out that she was a Jedi at one point and maybe she's trying to do some stuff with that or whatever. But like, I don't, I don't think you ever find out that there was any Jedi involved in Jin's family. At least not in this movie. Not in this movie, yeah. Maybe in yeah. the book or whatever. I don't know. But, yeah, I don't know. But it's a call out to the Jedi. It makes you think of the Jedi. Because they, they say that, that this is the thing that makes the lightsabers go. Right. right. The thing that makes the lightsabers go also makes the Death Star go. Yeah. Which I don't think that was ever part of the Death Star's... Mm-mm. You know, if you, were to, if you were to go look at the those old, big old books that used to have like schematics, fake schematics for all the star Wars machinery. Right. Yeah. I don't think Kyber crystals were part of the death star super laser nah, thing. I, you know I, I doubt mean? it. <laughs> I doubt it. So I, I thought it, it, I thought it was actually a pretty brilliant use yeah. of that to use that for that purpose now. But I did briefly, I did think to myself, if the Kyber crystals are so important to this stuff, why would you fucking blow up this town <laughs> that has all these kyber crystals? Maybe it, they you know? have mined enough of them and they didn't want anybody else to I, be able to use like, them. Like, I mean, that could be it, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like Possible. if you have control of the thing, it, you, you, might want to make a, you might want to make another Death Star. You might want to make yeah. a junior Death Star that can blow up a moon or whatever, right? Something like that. <laughs> like, why, why would you eradicate your supply or part of your supply or whatever, right? Right, sure. Especially given that these insurgents, like, anytime the Empire wanted to, they could squash Saw Gerrera and his team, at least the, at least the ones on Jeddah. Right. 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 At any time, they could just fucking invade 
and wipe out the town and just t- put a garrison there of just stormtroopers. So it didn't make sense to me that they blew it up, but I get, I get why from the standpoint of the plot, they did it, but it did, I did, I was like, nah, that, that's not good planning. From the empire's point of view. From the empire's <laughs> point of view. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it makes you hungry for the Jedi. It gives you even more, like if you were to watch, if you were to watch the star Wars films in their intended chronological order, watching this film and the jumping right into a new hope is like, is like fucking gas on the fire, man. Like it just, it just fuels everything about the desperation and the meaning of hope and the, like the string that the, the, the thread that the, the rebellion is hanging by that they, that they took the risk they took to get these plans and the plans being handed across the soldiers oh, and like passed through the door, like just how close they came to n- none of this even mattering. Yep. Right. Yeah. And then, and then, and then of course you go into a new hope and there, there still is some shuffling of the plans before they get to the right place. Right. right. So there, it's so, so beautifully crafted to be uh, like, Oh my God, walking a tightrope the whole time. Yeah. As yeah. to as to the stuff and yeah okay, <sighs> I could just go on. I could just go on, I, just about just about I, like the heart at work here, the tugging the heartstrings at work here, so much better than Rise of Skywalker. Oh hell yeah! So God, much better, yes. so much better than any of the prequel films. And they didn't need to like point to anything else really. I mean, you got <sighs> little like things like there's an imperial probe droid in the background. Yeah, and like there's and they, the guy, run, they the, run across the. I've got the Death Star. I've got the Death on Twelve Systems guy. Yeah, that guy. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Yeah, they run across him. They but, they kind of they don't they don't, that's the thing too is they don't beat you over the head mm-mm. with that stuff either. No, does because like some if they wanted to beat you over the head, it would turn out that those guys like were part of like Saw Guerrero's rebellion or whatever, you know? And right. Like, yeah. They yeah, like, yeah. And, and like the one guy like stabbed a stormtrooper who was about to kill Jen or whatever. Right. That would be beating you over the head with it. Yep. But just like, blah, 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 and he's gone. That's the perfect like touch of that. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. You brush up against familiarity without like living in familiarity yeah. to use your, yeah. your terminology there. So w- let me ask you a question here yeah. from a technological standpoint. How did you feel about the use of CGI to recreate Tarkin and young Leia? Tarkin was well done. Yeah. Well done. Leia, not as much. Like, it was easier to sort of, at least to my eyes, I was like, I, it was never a question. If I hadn't known that, of course, you couldn't film Carrie Fisher at that age again, right? I still would have known immediately that that was a computer thing. Right. Tarkin, you know, moments here and there, you're like, oh, there's computerness to that, right. but pretty darn good. But some some part of Carrie Fisher didn't make it into the computer Carrie Fisher. I think her mouth looks a little off. Yeah, and yeah. the eye, the eyebrows and eyes a little bit too. The forehead, yeah. something about that was not quite right. But a relatively minor sin for me right. compared to what's what's going on there. Well, and I mean, the the beauty you of it is got to do it anyway. Yeah, well, the beauty of it is it doesn't take away from what they're doing. Like, exactly. Like, exactly. I know that that's not Carrie Fisher. Yeah. But obviously, anybody that knows the history of these movies knows that's not, that's not Carrie Fisher. But yeah. for me, as I'm sitting there watching this movie, and I saw this in theaters. I saw it twice in theaters. And um, 
And I, oh, well, la di da. <laughs> I only say that because I watched. I'm next rich one. and I'm a true uh, fan. <laughs> I'm sorry. I watched, I watched an extra one for you, Paul. No, <laughs> no I, uh, and you, I, and you, you poured one out for me after you walked out. The I did. Time I like, did. It was like just a little bit of Diet Coke. <laughs> poured out. But yeah, so I saw that in theaters twice and I, I just, I loved it the first time I saw it. Man. Like seeing Princess Leia at the end of that, I got like a lump in my throat. Like there was a lump in my throat at yeah. that point, and I was like, "Yeah, I wanted that's to go straight point. home and watch Empire or watch um, uh, watch Star Wars, watch the original." You know? Yeah, that's a good point because you asked me from a technical standpoint. Yeah, how I felt about that, and you right. know, there were some little bumps, but but like from an emotional standpoint, I was like, "Oh, they're yeah. getting the plans to her, and she's gonna put them in the droid, and then they're going to the whatever." And oh shit, it's we're right there. You know what I mean? Like it, that it was, was on. Yeah, and when when Tarkin says you may fire when ready, oh, that was shit. like I was like yeah. perfect, perfect call out to a New Hope, right? Yep, yep. I love like my favorite character in this. I know it's supposed to be Jin, but my favorite characters in this are Chirrut and Baze. Oh, they're my, okay. They're yeah. my absolute favorite characters in this because it is a different way of looking at the Force. Yeah, and yeah. I mean there there's all kinds of conversation that they have about like. You know, Bayes maybe has cut himself off from it because Chirrut says that, you know, one at one time you were more willing to, you know, to believe in this or whatever. But I love this idea, this I'm one with the force and the force is with me. Mm-hmm. And he's not a Jedi. He's he's like he's it's like Jedi. he's it's like he's praying to the force. Yeah. Right? He says that uh, what did he say? He said, um, oh, I know what it was. He said that the force moves darkly near a creature that's about to kill. So he is yeah. familiar enough he, with the yeah. force. That he can tell, he can the tell ebb that. and flow. Like he's blind physically, but he has like this daredevil sense of the force, you know? Yeah. So I, I just, I love that. It was this entirely new version of what a force user is. Yeah. It's you know? like, I mean, it's, it's, it does touch on the, you know, Phantom Menace very well kind of lays out that there's, at least in George Lucas's eyes, there are degrees to how much you are a force attuned person. Right. right? Right. And they in in that film they use the midichlorian count as the thing, right? Like, oh, midichlorian count is higher than Master Yoda's. You know what I mean? That that that's like, whoa, right? But this this while while not doing sort of a a, a breakdown midichlorian wise, this suggests that there is something between Joe on the street and Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? absolutely. This Chirrut Chirrut is that Chirrut yeah. is like he can tug a little bit on it. He he doesn't like knock things over with the force right right right. but he's he can kind of it kind of tickles him a little bit you Mm -hmm. know yeah gets a little hints of things he can feel like where the blaster fire is coming from yeah walk through it you know yeah so i wanted to tell you i you know i told you i got i had i had watched some of the special features and i'd written down a couple of quotes that really kind of struck me right they were talking about the the co-writer one of the co-writers chris white's um, was talking about the force. He said, in really dark times, it's often faith that sustains people. So if we're going to take the force out of this movie, they would have to be, there would have to be this question about whether or not people would ever believe in it again or if it mattered at all. We understood that for people who don't have a physical evidence of magic or their religion in the universe, you often find it in other people and what they're willing to do for you. Oh man, and that speaks to that, Bay's and so, Shirit's relationship. 
that speaks to so many things. Oh yes. my God. Yes. That even right. speaks to what's his, what's the droid's name? K2SO? K2SO. Yeah. And what he says to Jin at the end, mm-hmm. Jin Ursa continually surprised me or something similar. To, I forget what it was. I didn't write it down, but I should have, because that struck me. I, I'm almost kind of thinking, because, you know, and this is coming to me now. Huh. It would be a great shit. It'd be a great shit. It'd be a great shit if you just could shit a lot. This would be the best just turd ever. The, there should be in sort of the in sort of the universe that you and I are sort of dancing around a little bit as we construct our own stuff here. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that maybe there should be Jedi droids. Oh fuck, dude! You that, know what I mean? Like that. I mean, I know I know part of the mythos and. Whether I'm cool with that or not, I don't know, is that the, you have to be a living thing to be connected to the Force, right? But we know that but, the droids are sentient. But we know the droids are sentient, and that's, that's living in a way. That's, and Master yeah. Yoda says, Master Yoda says the Force is in that rock. The tr- like, you know, I mean, like, there's more to it than just, like, a pile of bacteria has the Force, but not a pile of dirt. Right, right. right. So, like, I kind of almost think that... Boy, wouldn't it be great or an interesting story. You know, there was there was like Skippy the Jedi droid as a funny story one time. Did you ever see that? Yeah, comic? I think yeah. I might have saw it. It yeah. was, it, it was tongue in cheek. It was it was not serious, right? Right. Yep. But I think it would be cool as hell to actually flesh out a droid that is discovered to be gifted almost, or whatever you want to call force sensitive, like to the degree that a Jedi would be. That, that would, would pass the that would pass the test of the whatever the Jedi Order did back in the day when they would like scream for force powered people, right? Right. I don't know. Yeah, but, but, uh, this is this is just occurring to me now. I'm, so this is not well fleshed out. Right. Right. But, but just this idea of at least for me, and I've kind of brought you into the fold of like droids are sentient. Droids are you know yes. like they're they're alive in some sense, in yeah. a very real sense. To me, that that kind of suggests that maybe there's at least for at least for our, like I said, shared universe that maybe that, maybe that's a possibility or that's a, something that could happen. I don't know. I don't know. I, I tend to try to like talk things out when I, when they occur to me this yeah. way. Yeah. So this is probably going to sound really stupid when we publish the episode, <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Cause you know, we don't have quite a million subscribers yet. Half the, I'm, half I'm okay the, with being stupid in front of half a million people. <laughs> no, half half the point of this whole podcast is to look stupid in front of people. I mean, mm-hmm, that's, that's mm-hmm. kind of what we're doing, right? Okay, one other quote, and this one is also about the force. It's just that this this struck me as well. It's kind of it kind of leads from that other thing. He says, "When I was when I read about George Lucas making the original Star Wars, originally the force was called the Force of Others, and that meant a lot to me when I read it." The idea that you get this kind of spiritual energy from your connections with other people. Really? Yeah. And I have not confirmed that yet, but I'm assuming that, that Lucasfilm and Disney would not allow that to be out there if it wasn't true. If it wasn't true in <laughs> some sense. Sure. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. That's, oh man. I, I love the idea that they're throwing out there that the force is more than just like an energy field, it's something that you create with other people individually as well as as a whole. You know as what I mean? To, kind of together-ish. Right, right. 
like you and I are sharing like a force by having this conversation yeah. about this and that's creating it and kind of feeding There's into this a, greater force of the universe. Of that, the universe or whatever. Right. But like our connection during this episode or in our friendship or my connection to my wife and your connection to your wife, those are those connections that, that feed that greater force force or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so, and so, so apparently originally Lucas intended that to be part of the conception of the force. Right. It's the force of others. Interesting. Right. That's so I need, interesting. I know. I need to. I need to do more about. I need to read more about that or find out more about that. So, I really do, dude. I we really need to find out more about that. Yeah, that's because yep. that. I mean, again, it could change. I, that is something that I would totally allow to influence my thoughts on what the force is or what it means. Oh hell yeah! You know, man. Yep. Man. Speaking of Chirrut, he was guardians. He was a guardian of the wills, right? The wills being a group of people that record like histories and stuff like that. Yeah. Okay. One of one of them recorded Chewie's family history during the Life Day holiday special, the Star Wars holiday special. Oh, really? Yeah. And we, I think, I propose right now. I'm proposing that around the holidays this year, we do the we do the holiday special. I'm on board, dude. We do. I'm on board. We got him. So (laughs) it's gonna it has has been wreck us. This this movie, God, this movie was so great in so many ways. Yeah, there's the quality of language in the lines and the writing. Yeah, off the charts compared to other Star Wars films. I mean, <laughs> obviously, so good though. They say so many, they say so many pithy little things. I love it. There's at one point somebody says, and I think maybe it's maybe it's Galen or so says you're confusing peace with terror. Yes. Yeah, I wrote that down. Yeah. I've got a li- I've got a list of great quotes that I really enjoyed. I should have been writing more down, but I didn't I all I, th- I wrote down later I just wrote down Yeah. Um oh my god, the writing is so good, the quality of language. So yep. I didn't write down all the quotes, but I I I did take note of it was almost like you could feel a great line coming and then yeah. Jin would just deliver. Yep. Or saw would just deliver this meaningful little nugget that wasn't like, it wasn't overblown. It just said the thing in an interesting way. And that was it. Yeah. And you moved on. They benefited from really great performances too, because Donnie, Donnie Yen was fantastic. Fantastic. uh, Felicity Jones was fantastic. Fantastic. I just, everybody, everybody, Ben Mendelsohn as Orson Krennic was off the charts. Amazing. He was really, really good. Yeah, everybody was. Mads Mikkelsen was great. I don't know the yeah. the, um, the dude that plays Cassie Andor, but did you know there's going to be a Cassie Andor miniseries on Disney Plus? No, really. It's, yeah, That's it's going awesome. to be him and K2 So before before Rogue One. Before Rogue One. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. Well, obviously it can't be after. Spoiler alert! After. They all died. Spoiler alert! <laughs> yeah. I loved the I loved the the acting. It was yes top top notch. Even the voice acting for K2SO, you know? I mean, just... Very, so good. The K2SO is... The, the voice acting made that character. Yeah, like, yeah. And it kind of played a little bit off of L337 in, in his kind of... He was kind of indignant. He was kind of like... He felt more sentient than, than some of the other droids. Some of the other droids, recently, yeah. You know? And I'm not saying R2 or 3PO because they've always kind of felt sentient. But, like, this one had that kind of... That kind of gritty, like... 
oh, you're going to talk to oh, me that way? Oh, fuck you too, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I love or, that he, like, he backhanded Cassian, like, during yeah. the play, you know? And he's like, oh, sorry about that. Whoopsie. <laughs> you know? Or when they, when they tell him to go back to the ship, mm-hmm. and they're on, I think they're on Jedi. They yeah. go back to the ship, and they hand him the bag, and he just drops the bag. <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> it's fantastic, man. It was fantastic. The... This is this is this goes out to all my stormtrooper friends. Yeah. If you have a gun, why are you running at people? <laughs> when Chirrut beats up like 14 stormtroopers, you're like, "Guys, stop. You see him beat up like four of them? <laughs> stop running at him." Yeah, don't charge you at him. You have guns. He's going Why to are you running? That makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. Yeah. That's my. That, that's no, my thing. that that's fi- that's fucking fantastic. That's a good point. I never even thought of it, but you're right. Why are they getting in close? Why? Why? Of course, it didn't really matter when he had when they when they had him. You know, with the with the at the end, right when they were just yeah. at him. Well, right still, him. but how how could you know though, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, sure. and if you if if I watched you, if I watched you beat up like six tough guys. Good luck and i had that. a gun and i was yeah. like far away from you i'd be like i'm gonna shoot that guy i'm not gonna try to beat him up because he'll beat me up so i'm just gonna shoot him yeah so that's all yeah. that's yeah. all no, that makes sense to me so we talked a little bit about rogues and how you kind of appreciate the rogue character yeah. as well yeah how do you feel about who's the more roguish cassie and andor or Jin? and and which do you which do you like better so both kind of roguish I think Cassian Andor probably has the most instances of rogueness okay. because because he he's given the order to shoot yeah or so and he doesn't take the shot he, clearly he has the shot like five times or whatever in the right in, yeah right he doesn't take it yeah he is part of the rebellion within the rebellion when they abscond with the the stolen um, imperial ship. Right when to they go, to go off to to, yeah. to Scarif, so I think in terms of in terms of rogue quotient, he's probably higher, I okay. guess. Okay. But who do I like more? I like Jyn Erso more. Yeah. I have a soft spot for Jyn Erso. Like Jin's arc has this great sort of like maybe it rhymes with Han Solo a little bit. I'm not sure. Where you get the person who's kind of just looking to kind of like escape and stay alive and take care of themselves yeah but winds up serving a bigger purpose you know um and i mean of course cassian andor has that too right but you don't know his story but you know Jin's story Mm -hmm. you know you know that she had to run away while they went after her parents killed her mother and took her father and she ran away and made it out and felicity jones gave great sort of gravitas to all of the things that 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 Jin did yeah. Um I loved her performance so it made me it made me like really just sort of love and appreciate Jin. Um yeah. so I I think I think Jin is more my favorite as a character, but I can like <laughs> but Cassian Andor does more rogue things. Right. <laughs> than, right. than Jin does. He right. breaks he breaks even more rules. He's more of a yeah. rebel. He's definitely he's a rebel or he's a he rebels against the rebellion. He rebels against the rebellion. He's a rebel among rebels. He's a rebelling rebeler or rebel rebellionish rebelous rebellious rebel. I don't know, whatever. Fuck it. I don't he's know. He's a rebelish rebel. Well, so what about you? I also like Jin. I think Jin yeah. is 
you know, as she, her being the lead character doesn't hurt either, obviously. But Felicity Jones, like you said, she she just gave this nuanced performance that I, yeah. going into this movie the first time, was not expecting. No. I, I just was not expecting this. When I heard that they were making a movie literally about three words in the crawl of A New Hope, I was like, they're out of their fucking minds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I went into this grudgingly hoping for the best and coming out thinking this is going to be in the top echelon of my star Wars favorite films. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm like, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. This is probably, this is probably my third favorite star Wars film Yeah, out of all of them. Uh, it, it definitely blows away anything in the sequel trilogy other than last Jedi. It definitely blows away the prequel trilogy. It probably fucking garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It pre- <laughs> Hey, we can't we can't mention prequel trilogy without saying fucking garbage, right? Fucking I mean, garbage. Like, true. So I would go. I go with Jen. I go with Jen because she really makes this movie. She gives this movie the, the heart, right? Yeah. She man. goes from that. She goes from that point where she just doesn't give a shit, right? She's in that labor camp on uh, on that uh, on that planet. To, when she gets rescued, she's in that I don't give a shit mode, and yeah. she goes from that to preaching to the choir basically yeah you know, and like, like and like this so here's the thing too yeah is that the the great galen or story helps her bridge from i don't care to like uh, like because because galen's story is so galen's story is so great too yeah it's very compelling it's very compelling because he's got this thing where he knows that the empire would get there somehow anyway Right. He's he knows that he is not he knows that he is important but not singularly important in accomplishing the thing. They would get there. Right. You know what I mean? But um he realizes that if he goes back and sort of gets back in the belly of the beast, he can he can devise a way to create hope in right. the in the process. And then through a through a almost chance, not chance, but like a another thing on a thread yeah he, he manages he passes on that hope to Jin, right. you know yep. both in the hologram but also like when he sees her at the when he's killed you know what i mean yeah. yep and him choosing that stuff is is great so there's a line about choices too i don't i can't remember who said it but they were they were talking about like how hopeless it is to go try to do what they're doing and somebody says, and, and somebody says, what the chances are. Another character says, what chance do we have? The question is, what choice? Nice. In other words, like, yeah. you know, like, so Galen Urso knows how wrong it is that the Death Star even exists. Yeah. And so he knows that even if he has a one in a billion chance of like, providing a way to sort of end that thing he takes he chooses to have to take that chance versus other paths to somehow you know like he could have chosen to like go back to the empire and just sort of waited out his his days and ended up you know doing whatever and then yeah and the empire would have been the empire right you know like we'd have to invent a different infinity story to say how everything could have ended if there was no blast hole weakness or exhaust port weakness. You know what I mean? Right. Right. To me, that, that was one of those moments too. The, the, that, yeah. What chance do we have? The question is what choice to me, that was another one of those key short, powerful mm-hmm. lines that really indicated the great, the great yeah. writing. Definitely. God, Absolutely. 
I don't remember. Fuck, I don't know. I think maybe Jen said it, but I'm not sure. Might have been. I think it might have been Cassian. Okay. Okay. I don't know. It's striking me as we're talking about this that all of Star Wars depends on Galen Erso. Everything that happens. Everything that happens after the original Star Wars. Yeah. Is hinged on Galen Erso and his choice to rebel. His mm-hmm. choice to stand up and say, well, we're not doing this, at least not the way you think we're doing this. Mm-hmm. And so this is, this effectively validates that MacGuffin from A New Hope of the, of the exhaust port and the, yeah. the, yeah. Flaw, the design flaw, right? Yeah. Um, which, which without that, like you just said, we don't have the destruction of the Death Star. This no. ends very differently if they don't yeah. have that exhaust port issue. And so that means that we don't get the revelation of Darth Vader being Luke's father. We don't get Han and Leia getting together. We don't get, you know, fuzzy teddy bears taking down empire people. <laughs> we don't get a second death star. We don't no. get, well, on the plus side, we don't have to watch rise of Skywalker. <laughs> Damn you, Galen Erso. Damn you, Galen Erso. Son of a bitch. <laughs> but it just, it strikes me that like, I, I, I knew it in the back of my head, but I, it just really kind of landed for me right there. Yep. Yep. Uh, we talked a bit, of, I, t- I, st- I touched on this a second ago, but Imperial labor camps are exactly what you'd expect from the Empire. Yeah. Fucking exactly what yeah. you'd expect from the Empire. Yeah. I, I love that kind of a detail. I yeah. love that kind of, a, that's the kind of details that I think are amazing. One of the things that I, I found out watching the, um, the special features is that they worked on designing this thing for several years and they went with, you know that you know that tank that Jin's in, like towards the beginning, where they're getting ready to rescue her, and she's in that thing on the. Oh yeah, yep. yep. That's actually straight out of Revenge of the Sith. It was used oh, really? in Revenge of the Sith. But my point with uh, with that was the designs for, say, like the U-wing, right, the Cassian Andor's ship, were they worked so hard to get that to fit into what Doug Chang calls the visual language of A New Hope. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like it fits that? Do you feel like for it worked sure. in there? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, just for sure. Yeah. The like even down to director what's his Krennic? Was that his name? Director Krennic, yeah. Yep. Director Krennic. His costume amazing. Mm-hmm. Like perfect for that character, for yeah. that for that position in the empire. Yep. Perfect. Just fucking perfect. But so one thing I wrote down too along those lines is there were moments here that gave both the rebellion and the empire more flavor and depth, I think. Okay. Especially the rebellion, especially, I don't know about the empire, but especially the rebellion. Yeah. Because the rebellion in, in this, in this story, it's not all fucking cupcakes (laughs) and hand jobs, right? It's like (laughs) they, the guy gives the order to kill a guy, you know? Yeah, and they're they're like, they're, there's all these, there's all these hard choices they have to make, mm-hmm. and and they're they're coming up against like, should we just shut the rebellion down and go home, guys? Right. You know, they're, they're like the rebellion isn't nearly as like idealistic as you maybe are led to believe by a new hope or whatever. Yeah, that's it's very very much more human. It, it doesn't humanize him, but this movie gives you the right amount of Darth Vader. Yes. The perfect yes. amount of Darth Vader. Yes. Where Darth Vader is scary 
and shadowy and imposing and powerful and menacing. Holy fuck, that scene in the hallway is... Oh my God, dude. Brilliant. Yeah. Yes, it was absolutely brilliant. This is, this is the point I always... I mean, I've, I've talked about this with you before a number of times. Of, of all the Star Wars media that does Darth Vader, probably 80% of them fail. Right. Because they because they try to make him say and do too many things that take away from his menace and yeah. his power and his like fear causingness. Yeah. Like and so to have Vader just be like casually choking this director guy as he's walking out and then just casually like fucking mopping the floor with like fifteen rebel rebels. Yeah. At the end and just he he God, it's so awesome. He he plants the one guy on the ceiling and as he walks by him, he just goes with his yeah. zipper. He yeah. does the he does the casual like vop, you're dead, you know, yep. kind of thing. Yep. Oh man. It felt like Anakin Skywalker was in that Yeah, it really did. That moment. It really felt yeah. like him. Something else that gives the rebellion a little bit more depth and a little bit more flavor is the idea of extremist rebels. Like they, they make Dude. mention that Saw is an extremist. And and you know what? That is that is uncanny because I literally wrote down as you were giving your summary. Yeah. I wrote down a thought that occurred to me as you were giving the summary. Okay. And, and what I said was, and I'm not sure how I think about this, is again, here's another like in the moment fucking Paul Moderman thing. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. Just brace yourselves. It could be fucking Buckle stupid. up, fuckers. Buckle up. <laughs> I, I I wrote down, I was like, what a great way to speak out against extremism because Saw Gerrera represents the we're going to hell and we're taking you with us right. angle of rebellion. And then Jin and company represent the, we find the thread of hope and we tug on it and yeah. we see if we can write it out to the, finish the metaphor in a smart way. I don't know what that is, but like, <laughs> but they represent the non-extremist version of this stuff. Wait, I've got, they, the, end, I've represent... got the end of the metaphor. Okay, just, yeah, please. It's, it's uh, they write it out behind the woodshed and they beat it, they pistol whip it. They pistol whip it. <laughs> oh, wait, we were talking about hope. Never mind, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to. <laughs> there's, a, there's almost a sense of like, like a, a, maybe a message or whatever about like, extremism isn't the way extremism just winds up killing everybody you know or hurting everybody and like you have to and you have to make the choice to still do good things because if you don't and this is just me extrapolating again like if you don't choose to do the good things then the bad guys win either way because you became the bad guys right right yeah. thank you thank you for chris thank you christopher nolan Dark Knight, Dark Knight for that idea too, right? Right, right. But but it but it kind of dovetails with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. If in the if in the course of joining the rebellion and doing the rebellion, you start to do all of the things that you hate the empire for doing, then what's the difference between you and the empire? Right. Let's talk a little bit about that final battle. This this two tiered battle in mm -hmm. space. Well, three if you really it's get three, technical. Kind of three tiers. Yeah. yeah. So you got in space, you got in the skies above Scarif, and then you've got on the ground on Scarif. Okay, I loved this whole thing. What a like, great sequence. Everything about this, like it screamed Return of the Jedi in certain spots. Yeah. You know, and, and in other spots, it was completely just 
different and original. Very unique. Yeah. Like, for example, using that hammerhead ship, ship the Corvette, to push the Death Stars into one another was... Star Destroyers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Star Destroyers, Death Stars. God damn it. Why do I keep doing that? (laughs) Fucking... It's like I don't know my... It's like I don't know my... You brought a Death Star? I brought two Death Stars. (laughs) Yeah. How do you like that? Yeah. But but he pushed them to like they push them yeah. together and like that's what that's what drops the shield. That's what breaks the shield. Yeah. But but like fucking watching that the first time I saw that I was like, you know, like that. Yeah. Like I was like that 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 GIF guy, the guy that's like oh, oh you know, yeah, like, <laughs> clapping thing. Fuck man, I love that. I almost that was, stood up in the. It in was the easily the it was easily the best space battle of any yes. Star Wars. Yes. Movie. Right? Okay. So my question to you then is, what the fuck is wrong with these other movies? (laughs) Why can't they do this right? Why can't they do space battles good? Why can't they do space battles good? I don't. I don't don't get it. Oh man. And especially. So here's the thing too: is that like this space battle also has like because because battles have reasons, right? Right. Right. You're trying. You're trying to take something or gain ground or capture a strategic objective right and then so there's lots of there's some of the battles that happen in various things you see a battle happening and you're like but why, why what's the battle for right you know what i mean i'm sure there's explanation somewhere but it's not in the film in revenge of the sith the opening sequence is in a giant battle over coruscant right and you're like what's the battle for like why is there a battle happening now yeah because how over, over coruscant yeah, that's pretty just, big yeah <laughs> it's big and you gotta you gotta imagine that if you're like the droid army yeah if you're the if you're the droid army guy the what what is sort of the insurrection at that point you gotta think why would i take my fleet to the most heavily defended thing in the whole galaxy like what's my objective there and the movie i don't think gives you an answer to that no but this movie there's there's like all these great motivations for the various things being where they are and what their objectives are and that kind of stuff it's just so great for for space battle awareness. Well, you know. even if there were a reason in Revenge of the Sith, it would be complicated. It wouldn't be as simple as this was. We need to protect those on the planet yeah. while they're assaulting and, and trying to get these plants. That's as simple as it is. This, you know? I mean, this one had a very, this one had a very Lord of the Rings um, yeah, that hey. last battle, that last battle where Aragorn leads the people of Gondor right up to the gate of Mordor. Yeah, because they know Frodo is inside, trying to drop the ring in the mountain. You right. know what I mean? Yep. So he's like, this whole thing is a is it's a farce. It's right. a it's a it's a false flag, whatever. Right. right? right. But we're gonna we're gonna come and poke you, but we're just trying to draw your attention away from what we really need is this other thing. You know. Yep. And part of that is going on there too. Like they don't. I don't think anybody realizes at first what's going on. Anyway, but the the, the point is, is it has that feel to it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. The um, the Death Star shows up at Scarif, right? And it mm-hmm. drops out of hyperspace. They specifically call that it drops out of hyperspace. Like yeah. we've talked about before. Dropping out of hyperspace. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't have the effect that we'd think it would have. No. And do you see it drop out of hyperspace? You don't see it drop out, do you? No, it's just kind of there in the background. It's just like looming it's all of a sudden. Yeah. Yep. I would I would have loved to see somebody do a, a CG attempt at what it would look like for the Death Star to drop out of hyperspace. That would be pretty That'd badass. Be fucking cool. <laughs> so, question I have for you or for us yeah. to ponder: Does the Force itself 
seek the balance that is talked of so many times. In other words, because the reason I say that is because this is one of those things too, where lots of fortuitous things happen, mm-hmm. and this this Chirrut Imwe still can sort of manage to do the things he needs to do in the moment with the Force. Tenuous as his connection might be, versus like a real Jedi or Sith or whatever. But but at, at this point in the galaxy, at least in the in the in the Empire, the dark side is very much ascendant, right. and the remainder of the Force or whatever is very much in a hiding in in the shadows or leaking your way or whatever. But it seems like that the Force is kind of with the rebellion, the rebellious folks who who push back against the Empire. It does the Force itself seek that balance that we talk about or that gets talked about a lot? That's a that's a damn good question. You would think that it would, right? Yeah. Because isn't isn't balance kind of the truth of all life, right? Balance yeah. is everything, right? So you'd think that it would. You'd think that it would want to naturally regulate itself. Sort of regulate. And, yeah, and maybe the only way that it can do that is to keep pushing out like dark side, light side, dark side, light side until, yeah, yeah. until they've managed to, you know, kind of get to that cross that cross section of it. I, Jesus, I don't know. I want to say, yeah, I want to say it okay. does because, because if everything is of the force, that means that Vader is of the force too. Right. Right. Yeah. That means that the emperor is of the force. That means that Jyn Erso is of the force and yeah, and, God help me, Ray Skywalker is. Of the- <laughs> God um, help me, Ray Skywalker. <laughs> I, I much prefer Ray Nobody, honestly. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. We've talked about it. Maybe you know well, what? Maybe we'll, we'll get do that to, movie uh, sometime, and yeah, yeah, we can really dive in. But we can really dive that's in. gonna be it's gonna be one of those two hour shows that people are yeah. never gonna listen to. <laughs> <laughs> You're like Jesus oh, it's gonna, Christ! It's really gonna tank our analytics. For <laughs> we went down to two listeners. That's oh crazy. no. Yeah, I forgot to download it on my iPhone. I forgot to download it myself, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, all right. So, how do you feel about that, then, as far as, like, the force balancing? Itself? I mean, it seems kind of, like, I, that's, that's why I asked the question, because I kind of got the sense of, like, the force knows, whatever that means, that the dark is too much right now. Right. And, need, and there needs to be that sort of ebb and flow a little bit. And I kind of think that, like, maybe the individual entities who sort of are alive at certain times in the galaxy or whatever, their perspective is unfortunate because they often tend to live in times where one or the other side is ascendant. Right. Whereas if you take it over the long haul, there is balance. I think it seems like, right. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and so this is just part of, so this, so a, a couple of decades after, the dark side goes whoop, like this. This is the beginning of the other side laying the path for the the to the tide to go back out on mm. the dark side, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I kind of love that. I kind of love the idea that the force is active in kind of manipulating that, or at least at least making conditions perfect for one side or the other to rise. Uh, we talked a little bit about this movie's call-outs. Another one that I liked was Bail Organa sending for Obi-Wan. Like he said, oh yeah. Yeah. Mon Mothma's like, maybe it's time to call your Jedi friend, you know? Yeah. And, and that, that was that cool. Was, that was pretty neat because it other means that, 
It means the Rebellion, at least Mon Mothma, knows that there is a Jedi in hiding. Yeah. That means that Bail Organa has shared that information confidentially, at least with yeah. her. So I just wanted to say that before no, I No, get- that is, man, that is really great. And I wonder, like, that also makes me wonder, it, at the end of Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. Yoda, Bail Organa, like, catches Yoda as Yoda is escaping from oh, yeah. fighting the Senate. Yeah. Emperor. Yeah. So, presumably, Bail Organa knows that Yoda is alive, too. Right. And might even know where he went. I don't know. Maybe. Might even know because, because Yoda and Obi Wan, aren't they on the ship where Padme delivers the children? Yeah. Yep. They're both there. So, yep. like, Bail Organa may also, like, why didn't, why didn't anybody think, oh, yeah. Obi-Wan, but also like the great master. Let's talk to him too. You know, <laughs> he might be able to help the us. Really powerful master guy. Let's go find, he told us where he was going, right? right. You know, that, that, that should be, should be a thing too. Son of a bitch. Okay. So does that mean that, okay. Obi-Wan brought Luke to the Lars family, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. that he could watch over him. Right. Mm-hmm. Was he just preparing for the right time to be like, okay, yo, we got to get you in some Jedi gear because now's the time to go kick your dad's ass. Now's the time to come back. Right. Do you think that that's what he was doing? Why was he there? Because, because he sent, he sent Leia to Bail Organa. He didn't send anybody else to go watch over her. Yeah. What is that? What is that about? God damn it. All right. Now I'm, now I'm starting to wonder about that. Like, is that the plan all along to bring Luke back? To like, bring did Luke they th- out of did it? Did they think, did somebody have a premonition or something that like it would be important to have a Jedi near Luke so that at some point they could sort of be Jedi buddies or whatever and start the process? Man, because, <laughs> I don't because, know. Because, huh. The thing is, the thing is, man, this is, this is really interesting, Rich, because like, there's so many circumstances that seem to suggest that they do know that there's that they're going to want to like take this kid and do something. Right. And yet they, and yet they drop him off at a place where his uncle's like, nah, this four stuff is bullshit. You're going to do yeah. farming. <laughs> yeah. Shut the fuck up and go do your chores, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and Obi-Wan essentially never really until, until like Luke doesn't know he's a Jedi until a new hope happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. He thinks of him as old Ben, a crazy hermit. The crazy hermit, he's a, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the same time, why, then why is Obi-Wan even there? Because if anyone was to discover Obi-Wan there, that would put Luke in jeopardy. Right. Because they'd if- be like, because like Darth Maul says, what are you protecting? You know, something or someone. If the plan was that all along, why the fuck didn't he just keep him and train him from the young age that he should have been trained from? Yeah. They knew he was going to be forced. Something doesn't add up here. There's got to be more to that story, right? There's, There's got to be some this, reason. This, that would be a super great thing to write. And maybe somebody has. There's a, um, there's a Kenobi novel. Maybe it's in that. Maybe it's in there. We're yeah. picking at this. We're pulling at a thread and the thread feels like yeah. I'm, hoping, I'm hoping nothing unravels from it. The only other thing I wanted to say yeah. in particular versus generalities yeah. in particular, what a great way to capture the terror of the death star is to have it sure. literally in the sky over a planet. Right. On in two occasions, right? One on Jeddah and one on 
Scarif. Both times you can see this fucking thing in the sky. And what a yeah. great way to bring the terror to like the viewer of the movie too. You right. Know? Strikes oh. fear into the heart of the yeah. people on the planet too. I'm yeah. sure to have this thing just suddenly appear and be like, Oh fuck, what's that? Well, that doesn't look like our moon looked like before. <laughs> and I just, I don't, can I talk to the manager of that thing? Anyway. Um, so, <laughs> so branching off of that, in that 40th anniversary book series that we read, the story that you picked was the one where it was what was going on on Alderaan before the Death Star blew it up. Blew it yeah. up. And we kind of get to see in microcosm twice in this movie what it's like to be at ground zero of a Death Star strike. Yeah. So that, yeah. Kind, of, that kind of put a visual yeah. on that. And it was kind of crazy. It was terrifying. And it was like, it was like the Death Star at like 1% power or whatever, right? Because they're just right, like, right. They're like, let's just vaporize that city, not destroy right. the planet. So right. crank yeah. it down, you know? Yeah. But then, but then Krennic also says, he's like, it's beautiful. And, and it kind of is. It sort a, of is in a weird way, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Like, God damn, that was... It's, it's like, it, it bears... Sort of similarity to when I go to air shows, I like air shows and yeah. like air shows. And I love watching fighter planes do tricks. And yeah. I saw this great, we went to Duluth one time and we saw an F-15 Eagle pull, pull right up to the edge of the sound barrier as it just kind of swooped across the runway. And yeah. it looked so fucking cool. Yeah. And it's so great to see up close to see how, how fast the speed of sound actually is up close. It's right. sort of, sort of weirdly freak out and awesome, right? Yeah. But then you yeah. think about it, and you're like, the entire design of these things is to deliver ordnance to destroy things and yeah. kill people. Yeah. Like that is why the technology is that good, is because we wanted them to carry bombs or missiles or Gatling guns to wherever they need to be and blow shit up. Mm-hmm. And so it has that dual that like, whoa, but uh, like right. you carry both of those in your heart as you watch an air show. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So that's, that's sort of the terrible beauty of the Death Star right. in those scenes is like, look at the, this, this technological marvel that you could create a thing like this and then watch like from as, as they watch from the view, the, the, the viewing portal or whatever, like, that's thousands of people dying right there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So many, yep. so many, so many beings are just snuffed out right in that, in that maelstrom right there. Yeah. I have two medium questions. Okay. Bring it. Cause I'm, I'm, I have exhausted my things to say. So. Oh, beautiful. Okay. So I, on, bro. I, have, I have two medium questions. The first one is this movie. And I'm just going to kind of preface this. This movie is kind of, a between the cracks movie, right? This movie yeah. is literally mined from the the opening crawl a new of a new hope. Are there any other micro stories from crawls or any other corner of the Star Wars universe that you would want to see them make into films? Here's one thing that could this is probably addressed in some novel somewhere, but like from the end of Last Jedi to the beginning of Rise of Skywalker, you have no 
fucking idea that the Emperor is going to be present and the thing in Rise of Skywalker. Right. You yeah. have no idea. Whereas in the previous, both previous trilogies, that, that looming thing is present from the beginning, right? The Emperor is mentioned in A New Hope and then mm-hmm. becomes a menacing figure in Empire right. and then is the main baddie of, the, of uh, Jedi. In, in the in sequel trilogy, like you, have, you are not given anything to say that the Emperor is the thing pulling the strings here. Right. So one thing that could help that would be like Palpatine, a Star Wars story or whatever, from Toss into Shaft by Vader to beginning of Rise of Skywalker. That's fantastic. What, yeah. What happens? What, All right. And I don't yeah. even think that, I don't actually think it would be a very good movie. No. <laughs> or anything, really. But I am so curious about it. Uh, this is this is partly facetious because I don't actually want anybody to do this <laughs> because I think it should be wiped from Star Wars history anyway. Yeah. But <laughs> but um the path from tossed into shaft to you fill the planet with star destroyers that are also mini Death Stars under the ice and you have this and you like created Snoke like how did how did that happen and how did you do it with nobody how noticing? did you did it with how did you do it with nobody knowing All right. So my other big question for you is there's three different ages in Star Wars, and I think I know which one you fall into. We've got the age of resistance, the age of rebellion, and the age of republic. Which of those three intrigues you the most and why? So let's just, let's just make sure we bound these correctly then. Yeah. Yep. You're saying the age of republic is... Ancient times up to Revenge of the Sith. For the purposes of current continuity, the Age of Republic would be anything that happens between the the Clone Wars era and prequel era and like before it by maybe a couple thousand years or something. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yep, Nothing okay. major, yep. right? Yep, yep. So, and then the, then the Rebellion of- era is end of Revenge of the Sith up to Jedi. Just before Force Awakens, Force Awakens right? That's so, like everything up, up to, yeah, up to like Luke leaves Rocto is kind of rebellion. Okay, okay. Because they're building the New Republic, and and then and then Resistance era is Force Awakens on onward. Yeah, yeah. Which would you want to spend more time in? That's a good question. So many factors to play into that. Of all the various tracks that we follow through the archaeology of Star Wars. The history of in the in-universe history of the Jedi and the Sith. Yep. The out-of-universe history of how things get put together in that way. The in-universe like ebb and flow of the Force, dark light, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. The in-universe like political things, such as they may be. Man, there's so many angles to think about that. I, like, so tell me, tell me what you think. I like the Rebellion era. Yeah. More than any of the other eras. Now, I I do like the Republic era for the for the abundance of Jedi, and right, the fact right. that I can I can see more of what what the Jedi did. But for my money, the Age of Rebellion is definitely more more my cup of tea. I want to see the little guys triumphing over like the big bads. You, you know. know I kind of think I'm. That's where I am too. In terms of, yeah. in terms of, you're not beating. You're not getting beat over the head of the Jedi or Sith. Right. 
during rebellion yeah, era yeah. stuff. Yeah, that's true. And things are things are mysterious. Yeah, I, I'm super curious to see what they do with this High Republic stuff. Yeah, it's coming out soon because that's that's Republic era stuff, right? Yeah. That's a that's a couple hundred years or whatever before um, Phantom Menace. Right? right, but it's got Yoda in it. Did you see that? Yoda. Yoda in it? Yeah, yep, yep. yep. I, I mean, think that's going to be our tie. That dude's, to, that dude's 900 years old, so he's right. got time. You know? Right. Now, I, I think that's going to be our tie to, like, how we're going to – that's going to be our in with that series is going to be the fact that Yoda's involved rather yeah. than having, like, people that we don't know, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. Trying to dive into, yeah. um, you know. And he'll be, like a, that, so. he'll be like a sprightly 650 or whatever at that point. So. Yeah. yeah. Still doesn't have any hair, though. Did you see the picture of him? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Did you did you see that tweet that I sent out about the uh, about the cover for they had the, the the cover and like preview information about the first issue of the High Republic comic series? Um, you should take a look at it. I'm when not you get sure a chance. If I should. Yeah, yeah. It's, it looks pretty damn cool. Okay. Looks pretty damn cool. Looks like we're gonna have a Wookiee Jedi. They talked about nice. that. Nice. Right. Betty's not gonna get subtitles though. Sons of bitches. Oh, if they don't subtitle free, a Wookiee Jedi. Free Chewy. Free Chewy. Free Chewy. Free Chewy. <laughs> Speaking of free chewy, if you would like a free copy, not you, the uh the four listeners that we have, if you would like a free copy of the Chewbacca trade paperback so that you can see what it is that Paul and I are talking about where they do not subtitle chewy even in his own goddamn comic book, they don't subtitle chewy. If you would like a copy of that, all you've got to do is Write a review, like a written review, not a starred review, a written review of this show um, for us on iTunes or Podbean or wherever. And, and, yeah. and once we hit 20 reviews, we are going to put all those names in a hat and we're going to pull out one of them and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to name you on the show and we will, we will find a way to find you somehow yeah. and give you that thing. That's and right. And it can, it can be a bad review. It by could, the yeah, way it could be whatever review please don't want, make it like too bad i guess like yeah but, yeah you know. don't like don't like beat the hell out of us or anything but but on the other hand if we deserve it i guess uh, right. yeah i guess i suppose yeah but anyway that's so speaking of free chewy nice i, nice plug. It I got Great it plug. i got it we're Great not getting plug. any reviews we got like one I, I, <laughs> I keep one forgetting week. to mention that on twitter and stuff <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah whatever but anyway um Okay, so I think it's about time to figure out. Yeah, I feel out. like we're I feel like we're wrapping we're, here. We're heading toward our question. Yeah. Dude, I am just before we get into that, I am so glad that you like this movie. It felt like like everything that we had talked about up till that point, it felt like this was a good way to kind of and cap that stuff. It just just it you just know? it just it just pulled on so many of the threads that yes. we were, that we were yes. talking about. Yeah. Oh, so the the question then is where do, where the hell do we go from here? Where so I have I have a proposal. Are we still doing so, the coin flip thing? So that is my proposal. Is that okay. we do the coin All flip? Right. Okay. And I have two options, but I, obviously I don't. These don't have to be the two options. But I've we need to narrow it down to two. So the two, two the two that I want to present are the one that we didn't pick from last time, which was a few more stories from that 40th anniversary. Stories. Yep. Yep. The okay. other is to somehow do the gameplay thing that we talked about with um battlefront 2 oh yeah 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 somehow figure out a way to do that that one well i don't i don't know if we'll be able to do a gameplay like cooperatively or anything like that but we could play through it each of us and oh wait because it doesn't have cooperative on that one and definitely not cross not cross platform 
we'll just we, we just have to do it the same way we did with with the other one, but this one doesn't have no. paths that you can take. I mean, it's just, it's just, it just a linear story. Which is actually, which could work out okay. In terms of, <laughs> yeah. We'd both be reviewing the same material then. <laughs> after, after that clusterfuck of that last one, Paul. <laughs> that clusterfuck of that other one. <laughs> okay, so those are my two things. Please like throw no, your, is that, is that? Okay. I like them. Actually, my, one of my suggestions was going to be more stories from that 40th anniversary thing because I really like the, the, um, that that like we were talking about the in the cracks or in between the cracks thing so we got the coin hey by the way the star wars coin is going to be at your house on monday oh fuck You're, yes you are going to be the official coin flipper for the for the force wheel disturbances you are the force wielder. i'm the fucking force wielder That's okay right. so here's what here we go since we have talked about the story thing twice that gets to be heads okay so heads is the 40th anniversary okay pick a few more stories and do those Tales is Battlefront 2. Word. Word? Okay. Word. Let's do it. Here we go. Flip commencing. I can feel the force flowing through us. The flip has happened, and it is Tails. Shut up. Really? Yeah. Here's is the camera. Look at that. Yeah, I see it. Yeah, there it is. That's color, that's, what is that? Is it's that Colorado, Colorado again? Yeah. So, okay. No, this one's Ohio. That's what I was going to say. It doesn't I, look like uh, do I have more than one quarter on my desk? Holy crap. I didn't how, know that. How strange. <laughs> um, okay, so so that's it. So we're going to do Battlefront 2, which means I need to go get that game somehow. <laughs> yeah, you need to get, get your hands on that I just, game, man. I get it, I get, but oh, that's fine. It won't be hard. I'll just, I'll just replay it. So. Yeah. Okay, and so, so we're going to do the, we're gonna do, we'll do the single-player campaign. Yep, single-player campaign. Which is apparently not super long, right? Mm -mm, no, I don't think it's – I think it's maybe six or seven hours long. Okay, it's, sweet. It's really short, and actually that was one of the things that people complained about. Yeah. <laughs> Works perfectly for the podcast though, so nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is decided then. So to all of our listener, to all of our listener, we say thank you for listening. Yes. Um, please continue to do so or not. Wait, I mean, are we including ourselves because we download it? I guess to all of us hey to each other on this podcast. How odd. We're all part of this we're oh. all part of the audience. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, the audience is the show. Fuck, Literally. we're in, we're incepting this. We gotta we gotta <laughs> stop before we go too deep. We're not gonna be able to. We're gonna have to spin a top and fuck. Oh, fuck. Woo. Um. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Definitely. Thanks for listening to Great Disturbances. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a review on iTunes, Podbean, or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can find us on Facebook by searching for at Great Disturbances and on Twitter at G Disturbances. See you later! <laughs>